Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. I want to welcome you to Bridging the Gap with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon here on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Wow, it's been several weeks since we've been here with you live or otherwise on Sundays at 5 p.m. here on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. There's so much going on. We did launch a new segment that airs every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 noon here also on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. We are so appreciative to the network for giving us the opportunity for that 15, what we call the 15 minute lunch break with yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. And that is designed to give you some added fuel to get through the week. We are living in some really perilous and unpredictable times. It's my opportunity to wax poetic, give you an inspirational, motivational, and generally encouraging boost for the rest of the week. So I encourage you to tune in on Tuesdays and Thursdays every 12 noon. We're coming with a fresh 15-minute lunch break inspirational word for you. And you know, it, 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 it's just a way to just give you a boost, to boost, to give you a push, to, to help you to get through and see your world in a different way. Uh, but this show, Bridging the Gap, is still my baby, has been dear to me for, for, but for reasons and circumstances beyond my control. I've been unable to go live every Sunday. Um, opportunities have opened up for me to preach in the afternoon on Sundays and take some engagements, speaking and lecturing and things of that sort. And so I thank God for the opportunity, not bragging and boasting, to, to be able to preach outside of the wall of my own congregation or the congregation to which I've been called to serve. And so we haven't been able to get here and, and be live on Sundays or even be taped on Sundays. So this opportunity to be here and to share with you this particular Sunday on this particular topic is really dear and, and to my heart. In addition to a new segment uh, that I've been working on, my school is on its way to opening next fall. Yes, uh, yours truly, Pastor Hugh J. Harmon, Dr. Hugh J. Harmon, however you want to call me. I've been working behind the scenes for, oh, for a year and a half now or so on a charter school, public charter school right here in Columbia, South Carolina. We have um, had the opportunity to apply for a charter school and be approved. And it's called Renaissance Collegiate Academy. We are slated to open in the fall of 2019, August 2019. And we trust and pray it's a K through eight classic education college preparatory public charter school that's committed to transforming students into scholars. We believe that all students can excel 
if given the kind of school culture and climate that is laser focused on literacy and on rigorous teaching and learning, being mindful of the cultural diversity of our students and targeted at instilling the mindset that college is an option for all. And not just any college, but the college of their choice. I still believe, and I know that there are many others out there, that education is the most effective tool to change the socioeconomic status and the futures of our young people and ultimately the communities in which they live. And that is what we intend to bring to Renaissance. Please, if you have some time, visit our website. That website is www.rcacola.org. Again, that is www.rcacola.org. Review our vision, our mission, the story behind our school, why your students should attend Renaissance, why you as a professional educator should think about coming and work at Renaissance, and hear more about what we call the Renaissance difference. Also, you can take a few minutes to complete our pre-enrollment forms for kindergarten through second graders. If you have a student that will be a kindergartner, first grader, or a second grader uh, in the fall of 2019, and then depending on demand, we may add some more grades. So don't be held back by the fact that I'm saying K through two right now, but if you have a third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, whatever, and you are interested in considering pulling your child out of the school that they're in and putting them into Renaissance, please go on to the website, hear what Renaissance is about, see what we're trying to do, and sign up your student for our, on our pre-enrollment form. I could talk all show about the school, but I want to take a, a look what I want you to take a look at what we're doing thus far. Listen out for our episode that we we will dedicate just to promoting and marketing this history-making project. And I, I want to change up the format a bit here on Bridging the Gap as of late. I've been asked what I'm reading and beyond the requisite reading of the Bible daily or my devotional, there are some books that I just read for pleasure and personal development. And I want to take a few moments just to promote those books and encourage you to go out and purchase yourselves a copy. Um, reading a book, I believe, uh, a month does wonders for your mind. I'm not going to tell you you try to read it in a week. Just, just read a book a month, 12 books a year. You would be surprised how much your brain is stimulated. Your intellect goes to another level just by reading books. I would like to call this particular segment of my show, What? I'm currently reading. Real simple. Uh, my current reading falls into two categories. First, self-development, and the other category is spirituality. So the first book I want to talk to you about is in the self-development category. I'm reading the book entitled Atomic Habits. And the title again is Atomic Habits. It's by James Clear. It's an easy and proven way to build good habits and to break bad ones. It's packed with evidence-based self-improvement strategies and will teach you how to design habits that work for you rather than against you. It's a really easy read. He was featured on uh, CBS News in the morning um, talking about his own story. And one thing he said powerfully, he said, when you're writing a book, you have to become the actual story of the book for the book to really make sense when you share the book. And so I, I'm, I strongly believe in that. Many of you out there ha have expressed a desire to write books and, and, 
and to speak and to lecture and to become motivational speakers around the country and so forth and so on in our conversations. And I always encourage you that you have to take ownership of what you want to talk about. You have to know it like it's like the back of your hands, like it's your story. Second book, I want to encourage you to to take a look at. And for those of you that may be more in the religious spiritual realm, in the spirituality category, I'm reading a book entitled The Word Militant. Its, it's subtopic is preaching a decentering word. Preaching a decentering word. Title again is The Word Militant. It's by Walter Brueggemann. Anybody that has studied theology at any level, gone to seminary, um, read about hermeneutics and homiletics, you have heard about Walter Brueggemann. He is the professor emeritus of Old Testament at the Columbia Theological Seminary. It's a collection of reflections by this philosopher of preaching on the place of preaching in the 21st century church and its obligation or the obligation of the preacher to continue to challenge the hearer. Uh, He talks about preaching being an audacious enterprise and about the audacity of it being that the preacher must remain bold and courageous enough to open up his mouth and declare that he's saying something that God is saying to him and that the people that are hearing need to hear what God is saying and that he is that vessel through which God is speaking. Summarily, I could say that both these books are a must read for those that think like I do and believe that life is lived in a number of spaces and one can limit one's functionality. One can't rather limit one's functionality to any one space and live a full life. As always, I invite you to consider and to help us to continue to bring you these kinds of topics this kind by advertising with us. We want you to advertise uh, you, those of you who are, list, uh, are listeners, are business owners. If you run the marketing department of your church, if you are an event planner, whatever it may be. We believe that Bridging the Gap, this station never had it so good, Gospel 107, and this never had it so good, Sports Network could be a great avenue by which you can advertise your product, services, or special events. Our our market share stretches throughout the southeastern United States. I know for sure that we have hosts and shows in Atlanta, Georgia, in Florida, as far west as Texas, and probably even farther west all the way to the west coast of California, as far northeast, I know for sure, as New York City, where we are a radio space for music, sports, and talk radio that inspires. We have reasonable rates, targeted packages to fit your advertising needs. And if you're interested in advertising with us, please, please, please do give us a call at 866-543-1875. That number again is 866-543-1875. Take your pen out, write this down. The number is 1-866-543-1875 and the extension is 700. Or visit the network website at www.nhisg101.com. The NHISG stands for the acronym for Never Had It So Good. So it's www.nhisg101.com. Boost the exposure of what you're doing, and we know that your return will far exceed your investment.
Let's take a short commercial break. You hear the quality of our commercials and marketing here on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. And when we return, we're going to get right into tonight's discussion. Again, you're listening to Bridging the Gap with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon here every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. We'll be right back after this. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Welcome back to Bridging the Gap. And today I, I want to explore what might be a strange topic to some and completely irrelevant to others, but a topic that is dear to my heart because it's relevant to me. And the topic simply is the struggle to not be the disappointing parent. The struggle to not be the disappointing parent. Now, the reason I premised it by saying it might be completely irrelevant to some, to some and strange to others is because some parents are hearing what I'm saying and it's almost painful to them to consider the fact that they will have a fear or even be challenged or even be struggling with the idea of disappointing their child because they are the parent. Then there are others of you that are listening that are not necessarily parents. You don't have children, but you watch people that have children and you shudder to think of how you see those children speaking back to those adults. But it's a real challenge, a real struggle, a real fear of parents when you consider, at least from my perspective, that you may be perceived as the parent who is the disappointing parent. Before I get into my discussion, I want to share with you all a devotional reading that I came across a few days ago because I believe it aligns with today's topic. Uh, the devotional is simply entitled For the Long Run. For the Long Run. When you think of parenting, parenting is really for the long run. It's not just from infancy to adolescence. And, and when they become adults, you turn off the parenting knob. But they are your kids and you are their parents for the long run. It says a 2006 survey of more than 1,000 adults discovered that most people take an average of 17 minutes to lose their patience while waiting in line. Also, it says most people lose their patience in only nine minutes while on hold on the phone. Impatience is a common trait. James, the apostle, wrote to a group of believers who were struggling with being patient for Jesus' return in James chapter 5, he, they were living under exploitation and distressing times. And James encouraged them to set the timer of their temper for the long run. Uh, challenging these believers to persevere under suffering, he tried to stimulate them to stand firm and to live sacrificially until the Lord returned right to right every wrong. He wrote, Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James chapter five and verse seven, it opens by saying, therefore, be patient, 
brethren, until the coming of the Lord. James called them to be like the farmer who waits patiently for the rain and for the harvest. And like the prophets and the patriarch Job who demonstrated perseverance in difficulties. The finish line was just up ahead. And James encouraged the believers to not give up. There's a finish line that's just up ahead, even in the realm of parenting. And when we're being tried in a crucible of distress, God desires to help us continue living by faith and trusting in his compassion and mercy. What is the most difficult about being patient during stressful times? Uh, And I think you need to ask God for the grace to help you to live by faith and to live for the long run. The way to great patience is through great trials. And I think that segues us into this thought of the struggle to not be the disappointing parent. We were in that season and time uh, throughout the South. I'm not sure about the North and Northeast and, and those regions, but I know throughout the South where we live, we're in that season where there's the state fair that's coming to town. And most of us that have children that are of that age, uh, teenagers, preteens, uh, pre-adolescents, uh, they are excited about the idea of going to the state fair. The idea of getting on to these rides, the idea of eating all assortments of sweets and and all kinds of of different delicacies. Uh, They are excited about the opportunity to play some games and win some really big uh, teddy bears. All those kinds of things bring excitement. But any adult, any parent that has dealt with the state fear understands that the state fear isn't cheap. It is really expensive when you pay to enter the facility, then you have to pay for the food and you have to pay for each of the rides. It can really cost you something. It can really, you know, mess with your budget. It can leave you really lean and tight and uncomfortable. And so I've had the opportunity to go to State Fear and then look around at, at young people. The children are smiling, but the Parents have a grim look on their faces. Why? Because those parents have decided that they're not going to be the disappointing parent. And and I know when we look at the state fear, that's really a simple example. But moving beyond the state fear, um, thinking about um, things like what's coming up in a few days, October 31st, Halloween. Uh, What's coming up after that, the holidays and the whole push behind that, the commercialization of these uh, holidays and, 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 and times off and special celebrations that the world does. And, and the whole thing behind that is in order many times for young people, children to feel happy or satisfied, their parents have to go into debt. And so I, I, I really want to discuss that. I really want to talk, talk about the struggle to not be the disappointing parent. Um, I, it's dear to my heart. And, you know, I try to be as transparent as I could when I do this show, uh, talking about myself and not revealing too much 
and laying too much on the table, but it's necessary for me to be transparent in this situation so that the topic will make sense. I am a parent of two young ladies, biological parent of two young ladies. One is in her second year of college and the other is in her final year of middle school about to enter high school. And I am dealing now because they're females, so they're two young girls, young ladies, young women, and I'm a man, I'm a father. And so oftentimes in the context of family and fathers and daughters, um, there is this tension that exists. I found this when I go to the barbershop and I talk to men and even at church when I counsel with men or I just sit back and I watch people in the mall and I watch people how they interact and I hear young people talking. As an educator, I've had the opportunity to be a classroom teacher for several years and then as a school administrator being in my office and having young people sit before me and explain to me why they're going through such a hard time in school and why they're having a rough day and what went on the, 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 over the weekend. And oftentimes what kept coming up was a parent, and most of the time it was the father who was either absent, the father that did not do what he said he was going to do, the father that did not keep his promise, the father that did not come to visit, the father that did not come to pick them up, the father that was always angry, the father that did not speak to them, the father that was always working, the father that was just busy, the father that ultimately had become the disappointing parent. And, and um, I had a conversation with my oldest daughter's mom, and she said to me, um, when last have you spoken to your daughter? Because your daughter, ex and I said, well, I spoke to her just a few days earlier. And she said, well, she expressed the concern that you don't call her enough. You don't speak with her enough. You don't um, conversate with her enough. And that thing really struck me to the core because like the topic said, I just don't want to be seen as that kind of a parent. And so it's not the glowing topic. It's not the controversial topic. It's not the topic that's going to have the phones ringing off the hook. It's not the topic that necessarily people want to even hear. But it's a topic that is dear to me and a topic that I feel could help some other gentlemen out there. Um, there's the issue, I keep hearing it popping up um, in conversation, maybe even on social media, uh, in the dynamics of our culture of broken families and, and separations in families and the rise of divorce and all that and, and, and infidelity and all those other things, that um, there are a lot of homes where fathers are not present. And because the father is not present physically, he may be present financially. He may be present uh, uh, encouragement-wise, but he's not present physically. Um, there is the almost the unfair and biased situation where it is assumed and is perceived by the child that the father does not care and that the father uh, just sees them as a dollar sign and just sees their commitment or fulfillment or satisfaction of being a parent to being uh, sending some money off of a check every few weeks or every week or every month or however that situation is worked out. Um, but I want to speak to the men, especially then we're going to get to the women because sometimes 
the, the, the struggling parent or the struggling the parent that's struggling not to be disappointing or the parent that is disappointing can be the mother. But let's start with the men first. Let's start with the fathers. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the mothers. And, and I hope that this encourages somebody bridging the gap. We, we always talked about we want to talk about parenting. We want to talk about health. We want to talk about um, education. We want to talk about politics. And so today we're talking about parenting. Um, I think it's important, um, first things first, to see yourself as a parent. Um, a, a lot of times people carry the title parent, but they walk with the t- with, but they walk in the title of friend. And so, uh, and, and sometimes when you hear that, it sounds like an ugly word. Oh wow, why must parent and friend be separate? Why why can't I be their parent and be their friend? Because that's not how the dynamic was created to be. Um, and I'm not necessarily even. I, I yes, definitely coming from a biblical background. A biblical worldview, but I'm also saying just from a common sense view, if you want to uh, prepare a child uh, that you have brought into the world to succeed in the world, you have to speak to that child beyond the realm of a friend. You have to tell that child some hard things. You have to let that child know you love them. And because you love them, I'm going to say some harsh things to you because those harsh things to you will prick your conscience and will keep you from doing some things that I know I did or I know some friends of mine that did. And I know the pain and the suffering that I went through and the consequences of what I did and all the hurt and all the pain that I'm still dealing with because of what I did. And I want you to not have to go through what I did in order to learn what I learned. And so uh, sometimes you can do that in the space, in the realm, in the parameters, in the, in, in the, uh, with the situation of a friendship with your child. And, and, and so a lot of times the men who are not necessarily living in the home because they want the child to like them because they understand that they're losing out on something with regard to connection because they're not with them. They step out into their parenting in the realm of this older brother type mentor type friend situation. And so they don't confront their child on behaviors. They don't ask their child how they're doing in school unless the custodial parent says, hey, man, he's acting up. He's not doing what he needs to do in school. And I think you need to speak with him. And so I want to encourage the brothers out there that if you're a father, if you are, are not in the home of your children, don't wait for the custodial parent. Don't wait for the mother to tell you that this and that is going on. Whenever you get with your child, make that a point of conversation because that's the first step of you removing this idea of being a disappointing parent because the idea of the struggle of being a disappointing parent starts in you. It really doesn't start in the child. And so I'm talking today about something you have to do inside of you, some self-actualization that you have to do to prepare to be the parent that you know you can be and you have the potential to be. And so, uh, and I'm 
I'm not talking something that I haven't done myself. I'm not talking about something that I'm not working on myself, but I'm talking about something that I'm working on, that I'm trying to do myself and I realize that it's benefiting me. And therefore, that's why I've come tonight to share this on the show. And so this whole idea of uh, starting out with the mentality and the mindset that you are a parent and a parent should be concerned about how their child is doing in school. Not only how their child is doing in school, a parent should be concerned about their child's social and emotional development. That's what behavior is about. A, a parent should be concerned about their child's moral and character development. So you shouldn't just ask them how, how, how was the football game? How was the baseball game? How was the basketball game? Or, 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 or things of that nature. How is he doing playing the video game? What round did he get to? But you, you need to get down to the serious stuff, the serious stuff, you know, you know, how do you, how are you feeling about school? How are you feeling about your friends? Uh, 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 what is your attitude that, that you, when you get down to that level, you're dealing in realms where it almost shocks your child, but it all, it also puts your child on notice that you are mindful of more than the surface stuff. That's how you move from being a parent that's struggling not to be disappointing to be the parent that you want to be. Um, a third thing. So, so you, you, you get with your child. You ask your child about serious things. Um, and then beyond just asking your child about serious things, you do some things that demonstrate your concern about those serious things. If it is calling the school, if it's dialoguing with the teachers, if it's taking a visit up to the school and saying, can I, can I speak with you and ask you, what is any way that I could help this transition and the education of my child? All of those are strategies that you can employ to move from being that disappointing parent in your own mind to being a parent that you know you have the potential to be. Um, and last and certainly not least, just on the segment talking about the fathers, um, re augmenting seeing yourself as a parent, asking the serious questions, doing things, so acting on those answers that your child gives you, and then communicating to the mother, communicating to the other parent. These are the things that I'm concerned about. These are the things that I heard. These are the things that you might want to put an eye on, ear on. These are the things that you could call me on, that I'll help you, that we could work together on to uh, make this situation work, uh, this family, this separation. Because ultimately the children um, suffer uh, the most because we as adults, we gonna um, rebound, 